When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire. Back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick. Good Friday evening, Sick Army. That was Tony Marinero's intro, but no, it is the return of the Hebrew Hammer after you know, what it feels like two weeks. It's been two weeks since I've last spoken to you on March 10th, as it says on my whiteboard over there. Uh, it's now March 24th on Friday evening. Uh, I took last week off. I don't know if Tony mentioned it on the show because uh, I had a buddy's bachelor party of mine and we went down to Albany to watch uh, two games of March Madness, which was very, very fun. I have March Madness on on my TV in my face. I see the Princeton Tigers, the number 15 seed Princeton Tigers, beating number six Creighton. And you know what they say about playing Ivy League schools? Uh, you better beat them because uh, sooner or later, you're going to be working for them. So uh, that's going on. March Madness, lots and lots of fun. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of fun last week. I feel rejuvenated and I am ready to talk Habs. But before that, I got to tell you who brings you the sick podcast. We're brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. They are a full leading, uh, leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. And also brought to you by La Bita TB, brewed in Quebec and winner of a dozen international awards. La Bita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste embrace your true nature all right uh no shortage of things to talk about when it comes to the habs when it comes to the world of hockey uh you know with the habs it's a lot of good some not so good and with hockey in general it's mostly 
frankly, not very good at all. Uh, so to do all this, we're going to bring in Mr. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well. I love your March Madness line. It reminds me, I remember I used to go to a, a Concordia McGill football games and when Concordia would score a touchdown, uh, the McGill fans would chant, uh, that's all right, that's okay, you're going to work for us one day. So yeah, well, now, now I got a sign of Concordia. I got a sign at Concordia now and a daughter at McGill. So I guess maybe my son will end up working for my daughter one day. Uh, what, well, wouldn't that be something? It's all in the family. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, oh, what a story, these Princeton Tigers. I mean, they're they're right now, they're leading Creighton. Uh, you know, they beat a number two seed in Missouri, a number seven seed in, uh, sorry, a number two seed in Arizona, a number seven seed in Missouri. Uh, you know, I, they po- they propped up a stat on the TV on TV saying uh, there's only been one Ivy League school in the Final Four since 1975, and that was 1979 in UPenn. So uh, Creighton, if they, uh, you know, you want to, you know, you want to have a little shot at your boss one day, you know. So uh, <laughs> there you better go. pull this off. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, let, let's talk hockey. I mean, there, it's just where do we start? Uh, you know what? We'll start with the positives. How about that? Because there was a lot of good out of this week uh, for the Canadians. They start the week off in Tampa Bay on Saturday, lose that game, come back to Montreal on Tuesday, win that game against Tampa, uh, and then looked pretty darn good against the Bruins in a uh, pretty we'll call it uh malreft game we'll call it uh, so. <laughs> that's a good way to call it i mean you know they had no business beating tampa you now they lost them on the saturday in tampa and then they come back and win i keep losing track i need to keep going back to try and remember how many guys are actually on the injured list with the canadians it goes mm-hmm. from 11 to 9 to 10 one guy comes back another guy gets hurt i believe there's nine guys that were missing uh, against Boston last night, and the Kings put up a good, really good fight against the best team in the NHL. You know, they were right in it till the end, and you know, the NHL refereeing, and even more so than the refereeing, to me, it's the NHL Department of Player Safety. I mean, how that cross check to the face of Mike Hoffman is a one game suspension makes me wonder what do you have to do to get a two game suspension? Stab the guy in the eyeball and take his eye out? Is that worth two games? I just, I don't, I really don't know. They call it the Department of Player Safety. But the NHL doesn't care about the safety of players. And I hate to always knock on George Paros. I know we were talking about Ivy League. He went to Princeton. He's mm. a smart guy. But he made his living in the NHL by beating people up. That's what he did. He was, he was a goon. And that's the guy you have running player safety. And it, it makes no sense to me. Uh, and, and, again, I hate knocking on Paros. When these decisions come down one all the time, it's like, why don't they have a skilled guy, a guy like a Paul Correa type guy in that position instead of a guy who was paid to beat people up? They obviously would look at it from a different perspective. So when I saw that today, I, was, I wasn't I was surprised because I, I thought he might not even get a suspension. I thought they might rule it as a, a, a hockey play. But the puck hadn't even dropped, and he gets cross-checked right in the face. And it's only a one-game suspension, and it's a joke. I mean, to, you know, to steal Tony Marinaro's line, it's a joke. And And – you know, you wonder, hockey to me is the best sport in the world. I mean, I, I love hockey. I've loved hockey since I was a kid. I was a bigger baseball fan than I was a kid than hockey. But I think hockey is the greatest sport. But it could be so much better. Like, the NHL just does things to make it worse or less of a game than it really could be. Like, who would have been upset, apart from Jeremy Jacobs, who owns the Bruins, and maybe some guys on the Bruins, if that suspension had been two games or three games or five games? I think it probably deserved five games. So who are they trying to appease by making it a one-game suspension? It, it, I think you turn more fans off than you turn fans on when they do stuff like that. 
one of the beauties of hockey is you want to see hits. It's a physical game. It's a, a hard contact sport, but it just keeps getting like, you know, now if you throw a clean body check, you got to fight somebody afterwards. Mm. And they don't use the instigator penalty at all. It's there, but they never enforce it. I mean, Brad Marshall last night jumps Ram Pitlick. Whether Pitlick deserved to be jumped, you know, Pitlick had the, the shot that he took there on Bergevin. But call the instigator penalty. That's what it's there for. You know, if Marshawn wants to get back at him and jumps him, call an instigator. So it's just, you know, it's Mickey Mouse officiating. The Department of Player Safety is a joke. It's a, There's no other way to put it. It's a joke. I mean, it's every time things like this happen, as I said, what do you have to do to get a two-game suspension? I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I, I could tell you because Mike Hoffman got a two-game suspension well, yeah, earlier yeah. this year, and he got it for cross-check. As he <laughs> so pointed out in his uh, in his Instagram video that he posted, you know that he got a two-game suspension for cross-checking someone in the back of the head, and then he the, said, while, while play was going on, it wasn't while the puck hadn't even dropped for a face-off. Right, That's exactly. The, the this puck guy hadn't every- even dropped for the face-off, and Greer decided to cross-check him in the face. And it, it's, I mean, it just, it makes no sense. It makes, you know, Mary Lemieux complained years ago that the, the NHL was a garage league with the beating he would take all the time. And it's still a garage league. It really is. It, it's, re- it's really unbelievable because, you know, like you see this in a lot of sports when games tend to get out of hand. And, and it's really just, uh, it's a little ridiculous because it's not even a video review thing. So you can't even blame it on that. But just the game as a whole that kind of got out of the ref's hands, you know, the, the closest thing I could think of remembering a game like that, it didn't happen too long ago. And it's in a different sport. It happened in the World Cup. I think it was a game involving Argentina. But anyways, players were, you know, going cleat first into other players. Refs not calling anything. And for the non-soccer fans, uh, going cleat first into someone is a red most of the time. Most mm-hmm. of the time. And he just he lost control of the game. There's players kicking balls into the benches, and he's just dishing out yellow cards. I think 17 yellow cards were given out. And the announcers were saying, This isn't on the players. The refs let it get to this point. And the refs let last night's game get to the point that it did when it, you know, when it reaches a boiling point and you know, someone takes a cross check in the face and another player gets jumped. And it's it's a little ridiculous because that's when you know hockey becomes a little barbaric in terms of, you know, it has to police itself, kind of like in baseball, when a player, you know, decides to hit a when a pitcher decides to hit a batter. That's self-policing of the game. Well, that's what happens in hockey uh, in a pretty violent sport, not like baseball, when refing just is not up to par. Well, to me, it's, it's gradually. I mean, I hate video review in the NHL. I think that's become a joke also. Nobody knows what goalie interference is anymore. I don't even know what offside is anymore. Like, you know, what's the definition of having control of the puck? You skate the length of the ice with the puck on your stick and you cross the blue line, but the puck actually isn't touching your stick. You don't have, like, a, I don't know, but... Last night, they actually used video review well on that incident when Hoffman got the cross-check in the face. The refs obviously didn't get a perfect view of what it was. They thought it probably should have been a major. They weren't sure. They went and watched the video, and it didn't take long either. It took them like 20 seconds maybe, and they said, yeah, yeah. that's a major major penalty and game misconduct. And then NHL player safety has all day, all last night and all this mm-hmm. morning, to look at the video analyze it from every angle and they go yeah you know we intentionally cross-checked him in the face that's a one-game suspension and good you know good for Hoffman he posted a thing on social media tonight and people probably already seen it his chin chin is all oh bloody it's all a yeah. mess 
and he talks about, you know, I cross-checked the guy in the back of the helmet. I got two games, and they give me one game. And the NHL will probably come down harder on him for that than they did on Greer for the cross-check. Like, well, that's sure. what I was saying. You know, he's going to get a $10,000 fine out of that. More players like Hoffman need to speak up because it has become a joke. In a league where the commissioner doesn't believe CTE is a thing, uh, you know, and this week was sadly the anniversary of both John Cor- of John Cordick passing away, Todd Ewan, two former Canadians enforcers, and Todd Ewan, after he died, they found that he did have CTE. It's, it's the Department of Player Safety protects the goons. It's there to protect the goons. It's not there to protect the players like Mike Hoffman. It's there to protect the guy who cross-checks Mike Hoffman in the face. That's what it's there for. And again, George Perros, Princeton guy, smart guy, but he was a goon in the NHL. And how do you have a guy who looks at the game that way, who made his living by beating people up, be the guy in charge of handing out suspensions? It just makes absolutely no sense to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. You know, to, just to play the other card, you know, I guess maybe the, at least on the surface, this is like putting way too much faith in the NHL at this point. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to go to bat for them. And it's, I'm going to probably throw up in my mouth while I do it. But it's, you know, when you have an enforcer there, he was, his career was cut short, you know, off a pretty mm-hmm. scary incident. Yeah, I remember so that. You would, so you would think, you know, that happens to a guy. He says, you know what? My way of playing was, it's outdated. That needs to leave because I don't yeah. want more people ending up like I did. But now it's just like, no, you know, anything goes, you know, cross check a guy in the face. You'll miss a game. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Like if that happens in the playoffs, does he get nothing? Because one game in the playoffs is a lot more than one game in the regular season. So if you you cross, if you cross check a guy in the face when the puck hasn't even dropped to start play and you get one game, I guess if you cross check a guy in the face, once play has started, it's zero games, maybe a fine, maybe it's a hockey play. It's just, it sets a, a, a dangerous precedent, but the NHL still thinks that violence sells. They don't have enough confidence in the product of their game just as a game. It's the only professional sport in the world where fighting, bare-knuckled fighting is allowed. Um, it, it's They obviously don't think the game is good enough to sell it without this crap, and it is good enough. I mean, I, as I said, I think hockey is the best sport in the world. It's a good enough game. You don't need this crap. And when it happens, they should be coming down hard on these guys to send a message that we're not going to tolerate this. And again, you know, as I mentioned before, now you throw a clean body check, you have to fight somebody for throwing a clean body check. Uh, it, it, it just makes it, it doesn't make any sense to me the way how the NHL, you know, there was a time I grew up with Rock'em Sock'em hockey and hockey fights mm. and everything like that. And I liked hockey fights as much as the next guy. I know Tony had talked about it, but the world evolves and you realize the price that some of these guys pay moving forward and there's probably still going to be fights in hockey it's a violent game played with sticks and boards and there's no out of bounds it's more violent than any other sport football is violent but you can step out of bounds in football to avoid a hit so fights are going to happen but just penalize them like make it and to me the instigator penalty if, if the nhl wanted to get rid of this you want hitting in hockey um, you know, Craig Button had a great line. I was watching one of the Canes games. And I can't remember. I think it was Kovacevic threw a clean hit and he had to fight somebody. And yeah. Button had a great line. He said, well, just take, take hitting out of the game then. If every time you throw a clean hit, you need to fight somebody, then just make it non-contact. Make it non-contact hockey. And he's right. Like, if you have to, if, if you throw a clean body check and you have to fight somebody after it, what's the point of having hitting in the game? The NFL, you know, in the middle linebacker 
hits a running back, puts him on his butt. 90% of the time, they help the guy back up. Yep. Afterwards, it's yep. part of the game. You move on. But with hockey, they just it's it makes no sense. And the instigator, if, if the NHL wanted to get rid of that, they would make the instigator a five-minute misconduct and an automatic game suspension. That would get rid of yep. it. They would get rid of it pretty quick because guys would realize it's it's you know Brad Marchand last night. You want to jump Ram Pitlick? Five minute five minute major, your team's shorthanded, and it's an automatic one game misconduct. That would get rid of it. But the NHL obviously doesn't want to get rid of it. They want they don't care. The NHL does not care about players' safety. They really don't. You know, and it, and it's crazy to me. The point that strikes me is that when you say they don't, they they still think they need the violence to sell the game. Because you know, as as you're talking, yeah, and you know, you're bringing up a lot of great points. I just take a quick quick peek. That when was the last time, you know, in the last let's say 15 years, uh, that you could remember that there were you know, there's eight guys right now. The season is not done. There's eight guys right now who have 40 goals or more. By the end of the season, there's probably going to be closer towards 15. And then I looked at point totals. You have three guys in 100. You're definitely going to have five in 100. Like, what What are we doing here? What are we doing here? You're probably going to have more than that because, you know, Mitch Marner is 92. He could go on a yeah. run. Uh, you know, Jason Robertson, a young star in the league, has 91. You know, it's it's to me, it's just so it's so crazy that like the NFL, like, yeah, there's the, the hitting is a part of the game and, and the crowd loves the big hits. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm a I'm a yeah. huge football fan. I love a big hit. But what gets me off my seat? Seeing my favorite player run into the end zone. Not, yeah. you know, not knock someone's teeth in. And after a running back takes a big hit, he doesn't get up ready to fight the linebacker who hit him. It's part yeah. of the game. He goes, yeah, I, got game my, I got my bell rung. I got my bell yeah, rung. Got, you know, good hit. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's just the culture of hockey and, and the world's changed and the culture of hockey, at least in the minds of the people who run the NHL, it hasn't changed. And, you know, as we started, I was talking earlier about, you know, university football in Canada. I had a buddy who used to be a cornerback for Concordia when Mike Souls was playing for McGill. Mm. And he tells the story, Mike Souls ran up the middle one time and my buddy hit him as hard as he could. Souls went down, but my buddy like my buddy took the worst of it. And he yeah. said, Souls got up, picked him up, patted him on the butt and said, good hit, went back to the huddle. Like it's just, that's, that's it. sort of the mentality of football compared to hockey. Oh, you hit me, now I'm going to fight you. And it, it's, it to me, it diminishes the game. Like the Connor McDavid's, the Kale McCars, the, the, Cole Caulfield's, the Nick Suzuki's, these are the guys that the NHL should be looking at to sell their game. They shouldn't have to go back to the Broad Street bully days when there weren't enough good hockey. You, know, you go back to the expansion days back then, there weren't enough good hockey players around to fill all those expansion teams, and they expanded so quickly. There's so many good hockey players out there now that I don't understand why they feel they need to not only encourage violence, like when you give a guy a one-game one suspension for a cross-checking guy in the face, it just encourages other guys. Okay, well, I'll do that. It'll be a one-game suspension. Yeah, right. one game, I'll cross-check him in the face. One game, that's all right. And the precedent is set. So you go to the meeting, well, yeah, I'd cross-check him in the mouth, so give me one game like you did with Greer. It, it's just the NHL undersells its own product, in my opinion. Again, I, I think hockey is the greatest game in the world, and – there's too many of the old boys network still running the NHL who think they need all this crap to sell the game. And I really don't think they do. I really don't think they do. You, you know, 
you talk about the old boys running the league and you know what, let's, let's talk about it because you know, this is just, this is something that I, I can't believe in 2023 is, is we have to talk about it, but this is just, I, I'm quite disgusted with the NHL. Again, I'm like you, I love hockey. I, th- I, th- I think it's a great sport. It's one of my favorites. It's in my top two, uh, you know, but just when I see guys like like Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, James Reimer, Ivan Provorov, the entire Blackhawks team who has who has not recovered from the whole Kyle Beach incident, yeah, uh, the, the the Rangers back in uh, back in January, and then the worst of it all is like John Tortorella. You know, you talk old boys who, it's just mm-hmm. the the. Okay, for those who don't know, I don't know if you if you don't know, uh, you know, you've probably been living under a rock, but I'll I'll let you know. Uh, a couple nights ago, if not last night, Eric Stahl and Mark Stahl, two brothers, Eric Stahl, former Montreal Canadian, playing for the Florida Panthers right now, they uh, refuse to wear uh, pride jerseys, warm up jerseys for 15 minutes, uh, displaying LGBTQ plus uh, um, colors on the front, and they just said nope. It's my uh, religious beliefs. I I don't uh, support that way of life. And, you know, if you want to live your life that way, that's okay. But uh, not for me. Like, first of all, Eric Stahl, uh, the famous clip is all over Twitter. Right when yeah. he said it, uh, right when he said it, someone posted a picture of him wearing a pride jersey uh, with the, uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. And he must, he must be disgusted that that sweater sold a charity for $750 to support LGBTQ rights. I mean, what really... I found laughable about their statement. Oh, we don't judge anybody, but we're going to judge. No, you're judging. Yeah, them. yeah exactly. You're judging them, exactly. but you can't even like you, you, you can't even show, you know, again, the old boys club in the NHL, like they're trying to get into the, the, the 2023 and you would think, you don't know, want people to be welcome. You want people to feel welcome. And I mean, there's a reason why there's never been a gay player come out in the NHL. And this just highlights it. I mean, and anybody who thinks there aren't any gay players in the NHL is living in a, a wonderland. Yeah. Um, and you wonder about a gay player in the NHL seeing this and thinking, and maybe there's a teammate. Eric Stahl might have a teammate or two that are like that. Uh, you know, who knows? But it's just, it's, it's, you know, the old religion, my religious beliefs and, and, uh, you know, you're you're just showing some. You're, you're making people feel welcome, and you know, I don't know how many people, how many of the viewers out there subscribe to the Athletic. Pierre LeBrun wrote an amazing column today on this. Just a fan, the best thing I've read. I've read a bunch of stuff. He wrote the best thing I've read all day on it. He said it's just like being human and being supportive of people and accepting of people. That's all it is. You don't need to. You know, it's and. You know, and Eric saw then the other thing come out, you know, the, the good Christian boys, the styles about how on their one of their bachelor parties, they all got drunk and they were arrested. And uh, yeah, they all got misdemeanors. You know, they're using their Christian values now. But we're, you know, it, it's it, to me, it's just a crock. And it's again, it's it's the old boys network in the NHL. And, you know, and then Stahl said, no, I never wore a pride jersey, even though there's video of them and pictures of them wearing one. It's like the school of Donald Trump, right? Just deny, 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 deny. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe the video of me and the photos of me wearing that sweater. I never wore one. Like, really? Really? You know, I thought lying was against, I thought, you know, religious people didn't lie either, but. Uh, yeah, that shall, not, that shall not lie. It's one of the yeah. Ten Commandments. Yeah. I learned that in uh, Hebrew school. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, to me, like, when this whole thing started with Ivan Provorov, I, I thought, like, you know, like, John Tortorella comes back into the NHL, and you just knew that he would, he, 
this guy's never going to change. Like when he was mm-hmm. an analyst on TNT, uh, you know, a couple, it was, uh, what is it? Last year was the first year probably. So, you know, Connor McDavid scores at a crazy, an amazing goal. And he goes, yeah. this guy, this is terrible for the game. Excuse yeah. what? Yeah. Are you, are you out of your mind? So comes well, into it- the NHL. And then, you know, Ivan Provorov is the first player, you know, this is, it feels like decades ago that this happened, but it was earlier this season that he says, no, not wearing it. It's uh, against my Russian Orthodox uh, beliefs and whatever. And John Tortorella gets up in front of a microphone, looks a camera dead in the, dead in the face and says, yeah, I completely support his right to do that. When like five years ago, six years ago. This whole, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing uh, breaks out. And, you know, obviously taking a knee during the national anthem, it's going to make its way across sports. And he gets faced with the question, what would you do? That player's suspended. Suspended from my team. You do not have the right to do that. That is disgusting. It's disrespectful. It's this, it's that, it's whatever. Like, come on, man. Just just say what you mean. Just say, just say it. Just say the, say the well, underlying message that, that you know. That's what I would have had more respect for the Spall brothers if they just said, we are judging that community and we don't agree with them. Instead of talking out of both sides of their mouth. But we don't judge anybody. But when we refuse to wear a sweater for a pregame warm-up to make these feel, people feel welcome in the hockey world. You know, and you're talking about Tortorella, like, you know, the, the Michigan goal or any kind of fancy play. That can't be allowed. That's not allowed in hockey. There was a time in basketball when dunking was frowned on, right? You weren't supposed to dunk. That wasn't. But how many years ago was that? That was a long time ago. And that just, shows you how, that, for sure. that just shows you how much more the NBA has evolved with the times, with the best commissioner in pro sports, I think, how much they have evolved with the times to where they are and why they are so much more popular in North America than, than hockey. Uh, they've just yeah. they've, they've adapted and they've grown with the times. And the NHL still has this old boys club that wants to go back to the old days when, you know, it's, it's you know, you, you hit me, I'm going to fight you and punch you in the face. Or, or uh, a cross-check in the mouth is a one-game suspension. You know, maybe it is progress because maybe back in the Broad Street Bullies days, a cross-check in the mouth would have been a zero-game suspension. So, yeah. you know, 50 years later now, it's a one-game suspension. Great. Great progress, you yeah. know. But, like, it to me, it's just, it's just what is – it's just, what are you doing? Like the NFL has had, well, I don't know if he still plays, but he, he was on a roster last year. Pretty sure he played for the bucks last year. It was Carl Nassib. He came out as gay in, you know, it was pretty funny the way he did it. He just, he just literally made an Instagram story and goes, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm gay. You know, like that's what he says. Uh, And then, you know, he gets the support from his teammates. He's on an NFL roster. He could play the game. So he's going to be on the roster. No, despite his sexual orientation and, you know, now you see players ha- be in the NFL. They have social justice messages across the back of their helmets. Mm-hmm. Some of them choose to put them. Some of them don't. I know Josh Allen has one that's in support of the LGBTQ plus uh, community. Like, what, what what benefit do you get from just like you're you're putting on? You're just making yourself look dumber now because you have this. You have hockey is for everyone, and and this and that. It's not for everyone. Clearly, just by your actions, like this is ridiculous at this point. It's 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 like a it's a satire we're watching. Well, well, what I really loved about Pierre LeBrun's column, and and you know, he 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 basically said, let's let's focus on the ninety five percent of the guys who are supporting mm-hmm. this, yeah. and it's a good way to look at it. And let the Eric Stahls of the world be exposed for 
who and what they are and what they believe in. I don't know if exposed is the right word, but the world knows who they are and what they are now. And they're far from in the majority of people in today's in 2023. So when I read Pierre's column, I took a deep breath and I went, you know what? Pierre's looking at this the right way. And, and it's just, it's, they're, you know, Kachuk, uh, Matthew Kachuk had a, a video online about after the game, but I accept everybody in my room and I'm, you know, my room's open and it was so refreshing after what stall. And, and again, like I said, people who don't think there's gay players in the NHL today are dreaming. Just look at the percentage of people yeah. in the world. It's, it's, it's a statistics, yeah. And you got 700 odd players in the NHL. No, there's going to be some yeah. gay players in the NHL. It's just a fact. But in this environment that the NHL has created, and, you know, as I said, the NHL is, is pretending hockey is for everyone. It's not. It's really not. But, and as LeBron put it so well, let's try and focus maybe more on the guys who are, like Matthew Kuchuk, who are supporting, welcoming people in, and let the Eric Stalls of the world show who they are. You know, and and that's probably after I read it, I was thinking, you know what? That's probably the best way for me personally to look at this moving forward. Anyway, yeah, and and I agree. You know, it's a great, it is a great way to look at it. It's just, it's really tough when you see full on organizations. Well, and teams like like, teams decided, you know, and then the Chicago Blackhawks, who you could make a pretty good argument, they have a racist logo on the front of their sweater, whether you believe that or not. Saying, oh, well, we're not going to wear the pride sweaters because of fear for our Russian players. And then the NHL comes out and says, well, there's nothing to substantiate that. Yeah. It's like the NHL is showing, and again, going back to what Pierre Lebrun wrote, or even a lot, some, many in the NHL are showing their true colors that hockey isn't for everyone. But others in the NHL, like Matthew Kuchuk and those who are speaking up and, and, uh, you know, I believe Connor McDavid spoke up today or saying it is. As Zach Hyman did too. So there's there's progress. It's slower than other sports, uh, unfortunately. Um, but if Eric Stahl and his brothers want to stand up and say, talk out of both sides of their mouth saying we, we respect everybody and support everybody, but we don't support or respect them enough to wear a sweater for 15 minutes in a pregame warm-up right. to show their welcome in the arena, well, let them show who they are and be who they are and then you know, hockey fans or other people can judge them as they as they choose to judge them, whether they agree with them or don't agree with them. Yeah, it's just it, it to me. It's just it's such a shame that it's it's because obviously we know it's. I mean, you said it. You said it yourself. Pierre LeBron is looking at it the right way. You know, you got to mm-hmm. focus on the good than the mm-hmm. bad. But it's it's the same thing my camp counselors used to tell me when I was a little kid. You know, I wasn't I wasn't one of the troublemakers, but uh, if someone in my bunk got in trouble, we all got in trouble, and he, they would say to us, "Well, and, to and, play. The, and I would and go." That's not NHL, fair. The entire NHL is looking really bad right now. Yeah, because that, of, because that's it. Because yeah. it it just saying like you accept okay that it, it's. When an inflammatory thing happens like this, you need to speak out. Like, if, like, good on Matthew Kachuk, good on Connor McDavid, good on Zach Hyman, and whoever else did, you know. But it's like, that's the freaking minimum, you, you know. Like, yeah. you, you know, I, that's why. Well, I thought there was a tweet I saw today. I, re, I retweeted, and you know, the Slav brother said, Those who choose that lifestyle, and there was a gay person who said, I didn't choose this lifestyle. It's yeah, exactly. Who, who I am. It's not like, like, you know. Do you choose to be heterosexual or are you just heterosexual? You know, it's, it's, 
it's people are born differently. People's DNA is different. So it's, but there's that, that thinking and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I hate that line. It is what it is, but it is what it is with some of these guys. And, and again, though, you know, uh, again, I, I recommend people who, whether you get the athletic, I'll read what Pierre Lebrun wrote and he wrote, he, he, he wrote a much better than I could have written about how he feels about it. And I feel the same way as him, but it was refreshing to read what, uh, what he felt. Yeah. So I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, we're going to move on here, but first let me tell you about, uh, where you could get, I'm not wearing any right now, but where you could get some of our sick merch. Shop all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and tees of your favorite teams from all major leagues at sportsbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off on all their items. Also, uh, we are brought to you by Major Poker Festivals are back at Playground. The March Million features 10 ring events and a $1 million, $1 million in guaranteed prize pools, including a $400,000 guaranteed main event. Play in Playgrounds March Million Poker Series from March 23rd to April 2nd. Visit playground.ca for details. Uh, they have taken off uh, Princeton off my t- screen. I think it's because they're at halftime. Uh, but I think they were uh, trailing at half, which is normal because they're the 15 seed. Uh, just to, you know, just for all the, you know, I know we're a hockey podcast, so I just got to throw it out mm-hmm. there. You know, the, the, this is something when you're watching these games because people start tend to freak out, you know, 10 minutes into the first half. Like, oh my God, Princeton's in it. You got to wait 10 minutes at the 10 minute mark of the second half. If the, if the underdog is still in it, that team's that team is going to give the other one a fight. You know, that's my mark of, Oh, this is going to be a game. Otherwise I'm just sitting back thinking, eh, you know, this is going to be a blowout. Anyway, well, back I'm, to I'm not a big basketball guy, but one of the most ridiculous things in sports is partial scores from basketball. Oh, oh it's 4240. Oh, now it's 4244. Oh, now it's 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that it's just so free throw flowing, yeah. you know. And you know, yeah. last night I'm watching uh, I'm watching UCLA against Gonzaga. How about this for a stat that every fan of every sport can appreciate? Uh, Stu, you tell me if this is a winning formula in a sport like basketball. Uh UCLA at one point went I think it was 11 and a half minutes with zero field goals. Zero. Is that a winning formula? Because no, but you know what? As I said, I'm not a huge basketball guy. My son really likes basketball a lot. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I watch some NBA with him. I watched March Madness with him, and you watch March Madness and you realize how good the NBA guys are because they almost never miss. And then you can watch an NCAA game; they can go five minutes and nobody scores. Yeah, that's, that's, oh man, five minutes. Let me tell you, I, I went yeah. to so that we we bought uh, tickets in Albany for the bachelor party that I went to, and we, and we got basically it kind of works like the Rogers Cup in a way. So you get two games because you get a full session. You get the mm-hmm. day session and the night session. The first game we saw was between number five St. Mary's University and number twelve VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, if you were wondering, the I looked this up during the game because I was that bored during this game. Uh, the acceptance rate to VCU is ninety three percent. So if you if you mm-hmm. having trouble getting into if you're having trouble getting into university, yeah. apply to VCU. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that game, it, I think it ended at like six, you know, just in the low sixties for St. Mary's to low forties for VCU. So boring. Is terrible. And then, you know, the next game, we watch a UConn against a small school in upstate New York, Iona. And this comes flying out of the gate. Three ball, three ball, both sides. It was crazy. And then halfway point of the, of the, thir- of the second half, 
UConn starts to pull away, and uh, we all know what happens. And that's why I told my friend, you know, you got to wait for these things. Anyways, yeah. March Madness, it's it's fantastic. It's just it's crazy. Um, madness is what it is. Um, well, so let, if you haven't been in, this, if nobody's been in the states when it's happening, I remember I was at spring training one year, mm. uh, and March Madness was on. You go to the bar, and there's like twelve TV, like it's in. It's insane. Oh yeah, because it's because everyone everyone watching <laughs> these games in the states has money on the games. Oh, so everyone's, everyone's everyone's invested. Everyone's either has a bracket, has uh, has money on the individual game. They bet on a, they bet on a long shot team to win the tournament. It's just insanity. Uh, okay, let's let's focus in on the Habs now. Let's we move. We got the Mike Hoffman stuff out of the way. We got the uh, the uh, homophobic stuff out of the way in the NHL. Let's talk good news. For the Montreal Canadiens. Now he's been back in the lineup for a couple games now. I mean, just if you know, if this is any vindication that you know Kirby Doc just didn't just go on a hot streak before he went down. Boy, oh boy, this guy just you know you're expecting someone to miss time. They're going to take a little bit to get back into the swing of things. Again, just unbelievable. He, I, I truly believe he has arrived in the NHL. It is just. A beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Well, two goals and assist, and an assist in his first two games back. And it's funny, you know, because there's people you on Twitter versus people who criticize everybody, but there was a lot of people criticizing Marty St. Louis because Doc's first game back, he didn't put him at center. Isn't he a center? He's got him on the wing. And, you know, when you're around Marty St. Louis, you can agree or disagree. You know, when you're around him on a daily basis like I am, you can agree or disagree with some of his decisions. But you can never disagree with the thinking he puts in behind it. He's not a dumb guy. You know, he brought Doc back. He said, you know, he's missed 16 games or whatever it was. He didn't want to put him right in the center position right away with all that entails the first game back. And he also wanted to stack his first line against Tampa and, you know, Mm -hmm. Suzuki. And and then he played one game at wing. He played really well. And then he put him back at center. Like, there's a plan. Canadians fans need to realize that there's a plan for the Canadians, and it's not now, right? It's not now. Everything, everything Marty St. Louis does or thinks of, he's thinking for the future. You know, break Doc in slowly. We know he's going to be a center in the future. Marty said that we see him as a center in the future, but he can play wing too, which makes him really valuable going forward. You can move him around. But you know, Marty St. Louis, Cole Caulfield. I can't remember what the stats were when uh, Dominic Ducharme was coaching, but he didn't score many goals, right? I think it was like 0-32 yeah, or something, whatever. or like 1-32. So all of a sudden, Marty St. Louis comes in and Cole Caulfield starts scoring like crazy. Okay. Yeah. Kirby Doc, Washington's done. Uh, sorry, Chicago's done with him. Third overall pick. He's 21 years old. No good. We're going to get rid of him. Comes here, Marty St. Louis. Can't use all. Can't use, first of all, saw the potential in him. Yeah. That was there. And. All the moves that Gordon and Hughes make now, not all of them, but most of them, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, what can St. Louis do with this guy? So Doc comes in, and we've seen what he's done with Doc. Quickly. I mean, he was in Chicago for three years, and they couldn't develop him. He's been here, you know, he's missed 16 games, played like 50 games or whatever it is, and you see. They get Guriano from Dallas. He had two goals in 40-odd games in Dallas. He comes here, he has five goals at the Canadians. It's just, when you talk with the guys in the room... And you can tell when guys are just talking and don't really believe what they're saying. Yeah. You talk with them about Marty St. Louis and they love playing for him. All of them. Even the guys like a Josh Anderson or a Brendan Gallagher who aren't Marty St. They don't think or see the game the same way Marty St. Louis does. They're yeah. north-south guys that go up and down. 
their eyes are opening to another style of hockey that can be played. Joel Edmondson said, you know, he said he thinks outside the box. He makes your mind expand. You look at the game differently. And, you know, when Kent Hughes came, took over, he said he wanted a modern-day coach. And you're like, well, what's a modern-day coach? Well, it's not John Tortorella. <laughs> it's not Sutter. Modern-day coaches are Marty St. Louis, who think the game differently and approach their players differently. Like, you don't need to be a jerk. You don't need to be a hard-ass. And it, I, I think yeah. that backfires. You look at what's happened with Tortorella in Philadelphia. Look what's happened with Sutter in Calgary. It backfires on today's professional athletes. You got to listen to players. You got to... You know, you got to you got to be firm when you have to be like St. Louis was with Jonathan Joy when he showed up late yep. for that meeting. But 95 percent of coaching in the NHL or any pro sports, just getting players to buy into what you're selling and be willing to do what you want them to do. Be willing to look at the game differently. Brendan Gallagher's 30 years old. He's played in the NHL a long time. He's played the same style the whole time. Marty's opening his eyes and he's not like oh, you're full of crap. But he's like, OK, I, you know, Josh Anderson. You know, people say, I'll trade Josh Anderson. No, don't trade Josh Anderson yet. Let's see. Give him another, you know, this season, another season. Let's yeah. see what Marty St. Louis can do with him. And then either he's going to be so good you're not going to want to trade him or he's going to be better that his trade value is going to be higher. So it's just a case of the Canadians are on the right track. They got, they got a Gordon and Hughes and St. Louis all have a similar philosophy. They all know what they want to do. They're being patient with it. They, you know, Kent Hughes uh, did a, a, a podcast this week and, you know, he was asked, you know, how many, how, how, many more years do you think you're away from being like a regular playoff team that can compete? And he said, probably three. And that yeah. makes sense. You know, you don't, you don't turn this. They were the worst team in the NHL last year. You don't turn that around overnight, but they've really done a good job of turning this around quite quickly. Arpen Basso had a good story in the athletic today too, saying that, you know, what might've happened if the Canadians had all been healthy this year? They probably weren't a playoff team. No, but, but they're definitely not fifth worst. But they, but they compete. This team competes every night. Like they go into Boston, you figure, okay, they're going to lose ten nothing. They don't. Mm -hmm. They compete. They're not good enough to win because they don't have the talent to win. But they compete hard enough to give themselves a chance to win. So, you know, two or three years down the road, as you know, Kent Hughes and they all have this plan. When Marty St. Louis has more talented players, the young guys that he's developing now are more developed and more learning more and accustomed to the brand of hockey that he wants to play, this should be a good hockey team. This should be a really good hockey team. Or very there's there's reason for hope that three years down the road, the Montreal Canadiens could be a really good hockey team. There's 32 teams in the league. That doesn't necessarily, you know, winning the Stanley Cup isn't easy. You know, I wrote a mm -hmm. column yesterday about the Bruins are by far the best team in the NHL. But since the President's Trophy came in in 85-86, only eight teams that finished first in the regular season have won the Stanley Cup. It's hard to win the Stanley Cup. People go back to the Canadians, oh, 24 Stanley Cups. You know, there was a time in the Canadians, it was Stanley Cup or nothing. And now they're, yeah, there was six teams in the NHL. Yeah, the exactly. Four, like, four, when they won like 14 of their 24 Cups, there was six teams and there was two playoff rounds. It was a hell of a lot easier to win the Stanley And there was no salary cap. So yeah, it was exactly, a hell of a lot yeah. easier to win the Stanley Cup then than it is now. To win the Stanley Cup now, you have to have a plan. You have to have it in place. You have to, you know, as good as the Bruins have been for a long time, they won the Cup in 2011. You go back a long time before that, before their previous one. So, it's they they're the Canadians are now have become and are becoming a modern day NHL franchise with smart people running it, young players coming up. There's potential, and I think Habs fans, you know, a lot of my friends are Habs fans. Obviously, they're having, they're enjoying watching this team. They're having fun watching them, win or lose. They like watching yeah. them because they compete, they play hard. There's some hope for the future. There's some young guys that are fun to watch. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching Raphael Harvey Pinard? 
make the most of his opportunity and Belzil and guys coming up and just playing their butts off. Michael Pizzetta plays his butt. Not a great hockey player, but he gives you everything he's got every time he's on the oh, ice. Yeah. So, so they've been a fun, they've been a fun team to watch. They're on the, and guys don't got a team that's in 28th place overall. Guys don't give their all every game unless they believe in the coach and what he's preaching. Yeah, it's it's funny because like you would just you would just look and like you would say, oh, the Canadian like anyone not following this team would just be like, you know, you see, uh, for example, you're a uh, Nashville Predators fan. And let's say the Canadians had a game against the Predators tomorrow. Um, You know, you're thinking it as a Nashville fan. This Canadians team, they're dead in the water. They're fifth worst in the NHL. They suck. But then you watch them play. And I don't know if they see it, but like, and we, we see it because we watch this team, you know, 82 games a year, but you know, I don't know if other teams see it, but like you look at them play and you go, this team has something, you know, because they, you could, they got nothing. They got nothing right now. They, they are a, Bare both barely an NH an AHL team, uh-huh. let alone NHL team. Well, so we're talking about the Bruins before. If the Boston Bruins had nine guys out with injuries, they wouldn't be in first place in the NHL standings. They'd probably be struggling to get into the playoffs. So the Canadians well, who weren't to all their important players, you know. You well, exactly. I mean, you look at the guy. Kirby Doc was the leading goal scorer of the Canadians. You take out Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc last night just past Cole Caulfield to move into second place on the Canes in scoring. Cole Caulfield has missed 26 games. And, you know, that's just it's like, so it, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable what, I mean, we've seen what the Canadians look like when they give up the final days of Dominic Ducharme. Yeah. They didn't, they're two, nothing down in the first period, change the channel, watch something else. It's going to end seven, one. You knew, you knew what was coming up. Yeah. But with this team, they, they just they don't give up. They, they, they're they still having, you know, Josh Anderson put the, the final nail in the coffin for Dominic Ducharme as a coach when he said after the last thing, it was 7-1 to the Devils. Yeah. It's no fun coming to the rink anymore. Like, it's a job for these guys. They make a lot of money, but it's still a game. And if they're not having fun coming to the rink, they're not going to play hard. And the Canadians are having fun coming to the rink still. They're having, they're having fun. You see it when you're around them, when they're in the room. There's a, there's a vibe. There's you know you look at Cole Caulfield. He's at the morning skate the other day. He's on the bench. Guys are scoring goals. He's hooting and hollering. He's jumping <laughs> up and down on the bench. It's like he's like a little kid. He's having and he's hurt. It's killing him not yeah. to play. But he's having fun showing up and watching his teammates uh, teammates play. And it's 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 fun to watch. It's fun to watch just a, a group of young guys who are you know it should be fun. You're, you're getting paid money to play in the NHL. You, know, you got to yeah. produce. That's part of it, but it should still be fun. And Marty St. Louis has been able to keep it fun, even though they're in 28th place in the NHL standings. Uh, I and you know you mentioned 28th place, so it's it's pretty good for Canadians fans that are cheering for the tank because I think you know now Arizona is just looks like an absolute wagon right now. I don't know yeah. what the hell is in what the hell's in the water in that arena. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know Philadelphia. But they also have a know, coach. John- they also have a coach that players want to play for. Obviously. Yes, Andre Tournier. Tournier, yeah. he is well, very well respected. They love him in that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flyers, I mean, you know, they're in. Uh, they're four points ahead of the Canadians. John Tortorella refuses to uh, throw in the towel on the season. He I don't know how many players in Philadelphia love playing for John Tortorella. It's well, story. that's the thing, you know, like, you know, how, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I understand. It's like, what are you going to say? You know, but there's a way to say, 
not worth trying to lose because I get what he said the other day. You know, it, it made its round on Twitter. You know, like that's ridiculous. I would never tank. My players don't want to tank. This is, we're trying to make the playoffs. Okay, trying to make the playoffs. Relax. But you know, it's for. You know, you say what what Martin Saint Louis or Kent Hughes, I forget who said it at the beginning of the season, and said, "We're not thinking about today right now." You know, we could go out yeah. play a good game, we could go play a bad game. Yeah, we just got to learn from every game. We got to progress. That's what you say. That's well, the way I, of saying. <laughs> you know, Kent Hughes was maybe because, a little. He was maybe a little too transparent at his midseason news conference when he said, "You know, there's a time when." wins are good and there's a time when wins aren't so good yeah. you know, basically <laughs> referring to a possible tanking situation but players players don't tank players are playing for their next contract they're playing yeah. for pride they're playing for whatever but general managers can make the team less talented and and this has been sort of a perfect world for the canadians this season because the injuries alone have made them not talented enough to win a lot right. of games, as we're seeing now. They compete like hell. They're just not talented enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once in a while, they'll, they'll knock off the Lightning, but they lost the game before against the Lightning. So once in a while, yeah. they, I think they're like 2-6-2 two, two in their last 10 games. So they're, they battle. The guys don't want to lose. The players don't want to lose. Marty St. Louis doesn't want to lose. He's never wanted to lose in his life. They compete as hard as they can. They're just not good enough to win. That's how teams tank. They just make their teams not good enough. So Kent Hughes hasn't had to really do anything to make the team not good enough. Yeah. The injuries are taking care of that, you know. Maybe having, you know, Cole Coffey, get your shoulder done now, you know. You're, it's going to help yeah, us exactly. moving forward if you don't play or guys like that, you know. Take the rest of the season off. It's going to help us. So in that way, maybe. But So it's worked out well because tanking a team, losing – once a losing – culture gets into a locker room and, uh, and accepting losing it's hard to get rid of it and you know you look at the buffalo sabers are an example of that you look at yeah. the edmonton oilers have been an example of that once players start to accept losing it's not good the Kings are losing a lot of games but the guys in that room aren't accepting losing even like a veteran like david savard you know the a game against colorado i guess it was when they got down Early. Yeah, they got he was, got hammered in that game. I was talking with Matthew. He was pissed off. Like you could tell, he was really pissed off. Like it's unacceptable the way we started this game. You know, they were down for like he was really angry. Like he, David Savard's a really calm and cool guy, but you could tell he was pissed off that they didn't compete. And and that's a good sign. Like that's that's they're not rolling over and dying. They they're going into the game. They know the odds are stacked against them. They know even if they play at their best, it might not be good enough to win. But we're going to play at our best and see what happens. And once in a while, you beat Tampa Bay. You know, once in a while, yeah. you beat the Edmonton Oilers uh, as they did earlier in the season. You know, more times than not, you're not going to win, which is what we're seeing now. And and moving forward, it's absolutely perfect because nothing could speed up the process of this rebuild quicker than getting Connor Bedard at this point. Well, that's and you know what, and that's the thing is that I was going to say because you know, like you brought up on another uh, on another podcast uh, that Kent Hughes said, you know, we're probably three years away. How much does that get accelerated if you win a Connor Bedard? Because yeah. you know, we saw we saw it in Toronto. You know, like if they don't have Austin Matthews, that's a bubble. You know, because they won the lottery, it accelerated their rebuild like crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they don't have Austin Matthews. That's a bubble. That's a bubble. Uh, a bubble team that's uh, on the outside of looking in on the play. But, but again, there's also never a guarantee. Like Connor Bedard should be a really good player in the NHL. I'd be yeah. surprised if not. But there's also there was Neil Yakupov, Alexis Lafreniere was supposed to be like the, you know, the the great. He's like third liner or whatever now with the Rangers. There's yeah. never guarantees. 
But even if the Canes don't win the lottery, the Colorado Avalanche were the worst player, worst team in the NHL by a mile. I can't remember what year it was when they got killed. Yeah, the, yeah. They were horrible. And they were pissed off when they lost the draft lottery. They drafted fourth, I think. Well, they got killed, McCarr. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you know what, what I mean? they... So, so even yeah. if the Habs don't get Connor Bedard, they're going to be a top three, four pick. They've also got Florida's pick. They also had, you know, Sapkowski, who they last year, number one pick. He didn't have a great season this year. Philip Massar, I think, is, personally, I think he's going to be a better player than Slavkowski moving forward. Wow. Their other first round pick last year. He really impressed me at the rookie camp and that. So they got a lot of young talent and they're gonna get two <coughs> excuse me, they're gonna get two more fairly high, one very high pick, and another depending on what happens with Florida, another first round pick also. <coughs> well, here's the thing you you mentioned uh you you mentioned Philip Messar and uh and uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. Well, it's funny, you know, like Slavkovsky, it's like everyone's completely forgot that that, that they have a first overall pick in him on the team because uh, he hasn't played in so long. But, uh, you know, yeah, we haven't mentioned we've gone 52 minutes going on 53 minutes right now uh, without mentioning the names of either Sean Farrell or Lane Hudson. So I would like to give ourselves a pat on the back because there is no way anybody, <laughs> any show out there has done that. Um, but you know, that's just another one like Lane Hudson, this well, guy, I mean, well, Lane he had Hudson, to bring a, he had to bring a bone doctor to the draft, you know, well, <laughs> well, the, the, two, teams. the two players who impressed me the most that the development camp last year, not even close were Farrell yeah. and Massar. Like their, their skill levels were like, wow. Slavkowski impressed me just cause he was big. And, and I'm, I'm not knocking on Slavkowski. He's only 18 years old. Some guys take longer to develop, especially big guys. Like Joe Thornton wasn't great at the yeah. beginning. So, but from what I've seen so far, just from a talent and skill level, and a small sample size, I'll give it that. Philip Massar, like, I watch this guy, at the, and he's like, man, this guy is skilled. He's a really skilled hockey player. Yeah. And Farrell was the same way. Does that mean that's going to, you know, it was a development camp. Does that mean it's going to carry over to the NHL? Maybe, maybe not. I still remember Cole Coffey the first time I saw him in a development camp. He came down the wing and fired the puck. I went, oh, my God. I don't like, what a shot. You know, yeah. there's certain things that stand out. First time I saw Jordan Harris at development camp, I was like, man, can this kid ever skate and move the puck? So there's certain things you notice that sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. But the Canadians have a lot of young prospects coming up, like a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot. They're not all, all going to work out. They never do. But – there's a lot of two, three of them hope. hit. You're you're golden. Oh, well, you're golden Farrell is an incredibly hit. skilled hockey player. Philip Massar is an incredibly skilled hockey player. Uh, Slavkovsky. The thing I the thing I really liked about Slavkovsky this season is he's a really good kid. He's a really good kid to be around, and, and he's teachable. He's coachable. Like well, that's what lives, I was going to ask you. And that's, that's one of the reasons. If he's a sponge, that's one of the reasons I think they kept him around here. So I think they should have sent him to the World Juniors. Um, I think time in Laval would not have, like Justin Barron, how well he's played since he came up yeah. from Laval. Here's a guy, training camp, preseason, he just wasn't, he looked at him like, this kid's not ready to play in the NHL. He was timid, he wasn't aggressive, he, he looked like he didn't know if he belonged or he didn't belong. They sent him to the AHL, he comes back, he's been great. Slavkowski looked the same way to me in preseason training camp. They kept him here, uh, it, was, it was not a great, yeah, first season for year. I don't think anybody could debate that. It wasn't a great first season for him. That doesn't mean that he can't turn it around next year or whatever. He's a sponge. He wants to learn. He, he wants to develop. But with Hudson, I mean, St. Louis was talking this week about 
positionless hockey, which is what the Colorado Avalanche played. So yeah. we were talking about basketball before. Basketball has become a positionless game in a lot of cases, right? It's not like the yeah. center who just stands under the net. Guys move and move and move. And that's what Colorado plays. Tampa Bay plays it a little bit also. And that's what Marty St. Louis wants to play moving forward. And there's your perfect defenseman to play that style of game, right? Again, though, he's a really small guy. I remember the draft, and they drafted him. He came out. It looked like he had stolen his father's Canadian sweater. It was like three <laughs> sizes too big for him. It was like 150 you, you, I pounds. Think he, I think he measured in at 5'7", 150, like yeah. you just said. He had to but, bring an osteopath to the yeah. to the, to the the combine to say, no, he's still going to grow. I mean, hey, he plays for, I think, BU, and he, yeah. he, measures, in, he measures in at 5'9". He's 5'9 yeah. now. So yeah, well, go. I remember Cole Caulfield the year they drafted him, and he walked beside me going to the podium, and he came up there like, here, I mean, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this kid's going to get killed. You know, so it's, you know, but, you know, there's certain things you can't teach. You can't teach the way that uh, Cole Caulfield can yeah. shoot a puck. You can't please the, the way he, this kid can skate. I mean, I haven't seen him live. I'm just watching him on TV and, and YouTube and whatnot, but uh, he sees the game. We were talking about how Marty St. Louis sees the game differently. This kid sees the game. It looks like a little bit like Marty St. Louis does. So I'm sure Marty St. Louis is looking at this kid and going, wow, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy because <clears throat> he's already so much further ahead in seeing the game the way I see it than a Slavkovsky is or even a Gallagher is or a Josh Anderson is. Like This kid sees the game. He sees the modern hockey game. He sees positionalist hockey already. Well, see, and just to, you know, the cherry on top is like Lane Hudson. Again, you know, you, you hope these guys work out because it's, it's so the prospects are fun, especially when your team, when uh, your team for Canadians fans, you know, they're not, you don't really care about the on ice product right now. Like you're going to watch the games, mm -hmm. of course, but you know, this was a tweet uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday from, uh, from Andrew Berkshire, Lane Hudson, this is at two forty one. I don't know if he did it. So if you did, someone in the comments let us know. Uh, Lane Hudson needs two more points to equal the NCAA rookie production of Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes combined. Combined. I saw that tweet. Combined. Like, combined. Are you crazy? I mean, yeah. the, this this kid, you know, he's a – Well, that, I don't that, think there's – I need to look at – Have you ever seen – but have you ever seen this much hype around a second-round pick? No, but you have to look at – how much ice time were those other guys getting as a freshman? Right. So there's the things that factor into it, but it's still a remarkable stat. Yeah. It's a remarkable stat. And, you know, kudos to the Canadians, a second round pick. Farrell, I think, was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Raphael Harvey Pryor. Like Harvey Pryor was a seventh round pick. So they've got, you know, there's. They've, they've done something, even at Mark Bergeret. I mean, you know, I've been as critical of Mark Bergeret as anybody, but at the end, he made some. Him and Trevor Timmons made some good draft picks. Like, you know, yeah. Cole Caulfield was sitting there. They took him. For once, for once, Bergeron didn't draft by position. He just took the best player available at that part in the draft. And that guy was Cole Caulfield at that point in the draft. And, well, and, that, and you know, when, when he did thing. draft by position, he took Kotkaniemi instead of Brady Kachuk. Yeah. Now imagine yeah. if the Canadians' first line for the next seven, eight, nine years was Suzuki with Caulfield and Kachuk. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, you know, the but, last time we, we, the last time we were, I was on this podcast, we spoke about it, uh, me and uh, on the panel was that uh, it was 2013, you know, like what, what uh, they drafted Mike McCarron because they needed, it was an organizational need. Yeah. And where, where did that land you? So, yeah. you know, I don't know who went after that. I think Shea Theodore is one of the players. And, and they, knew, they knew Mike McCarron wasn't a good skater. They knew he wasn't a big, yeah. up, but they, we need a big centerman. So, 
that that drafting by position thing will kill you. It's really killed the Canadians. I mean, it's and but but to just go by uh, just to bring it back to the Connor Bedard thing, you know, like yeah, I know a lot of people are disappointed in that the Canadians were winning games at the beginning of the season. Now it's like a tank. It's like a tank uh, cheers dream. They're losing yeah. every game. You know, okay, with, without, us, without the blue sweaters, without the uh, retro reverse. Well, that's it. And and hey, every hey, every now and then they'll throw us a biscuit. They'll win a game. No problem. Okay, uh, one out of every five. No worries. But, uh, you know, you don't need the first overall. Like, I think it's evidently clear that Caden Gooley is going to be the number one defenseman on this team for a very, very long time. And he was drafted 15 or 16. It was 16 because Caulfield, who is going to be the leading goal scorer on this team for a very long time, is was drafted 15. So you don't need that first overall. It certainly helps. I'm not going to complain, well, you know, but and, and even if you finish last, I, I wrote a call on my wallet. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think since the draft lottery came in, it's like less than 30% of the teams that finished last on the lottery. So your odds are, if you finish last, the odds are 70%. You're not going to win the lottery. So it's, it's, you know, it's, as I said earlier, it's working out perfect for the Canadians. They're battling hard. They're not letting a losing culture get into the room. They're not tanking but they're losing and their odds of getting Bedard are going to be high. And if they don't get them they're they should get a, it's supposed to be a deep draft. They should get a really, you know, they should get another good hockey player. If not two with its second uh, first round pick they have. Well, we, uh, we got a very important game uh, on the uh, tank battle tomorrow. It's uh, two teams in the bottom five. It'll be Montreal against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Is that, that one is, is, are they in Columbus for that one? No, they're they're here, but look at you got Johnny Goudreau okay. and Patrick Laney on like yeah. the worst team in the NHL. You know, Johnny yeah, Goudreau. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's, it's, it's uh, the NHL is a weird league. It, it really is. It, it's but you know, you know it's, what? It's funny because I, I had I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. We were talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams, and he goes, "You know, this team is horrible. I really hope uh, Connor Bedard doesn't go there. It's going to be a waste of his career and all this stuff." And I just like I go take a look at their roster, and like they got some pretty good talent there. You know, they got like you said Patrick Laine and uh, and Johnny Goudreau, but and then they got like the young kids. They got Ket Johnson, Cole Sillinger. They, they got nice pieces. You know, I'm not going to say they're world beaters, but then yeah. you just scroll down a little bit on Daily Faceoff and take a look at that blue line, and then uh, you'll figure out real quick why yeah. they're uh, why they're on uh, the bo- bottom two of the league. Uh, yeah. But hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a good game tomorrow night. Uh, well, because two, two, two bad quote-unquote teams, at least in the standings, mm-hmm. usually makes for a high-scoring game. So it should be a fun one. Well, we were talking about basketball earlier. And, I mean, the NBA, one player can change a franchise. Like, look at LeBron yeah. James. Or two players can. You can go from the worst team in the league to the best team in the league in one season by getting a LeBron James and whoever he wants to bring with him to whatever team he wants to, decides he wants to play on. But even a generational player like Connor, but Connor McDavid's the best hockey player we've seen in a long, long time. And the Oilers, oh yeah, it's it's not. You no, know, he hasn't turned them. You know, they're they're he's got sixty goals already. There's no. You know, is anybody betting on the Oilers winning the Stanley Cup this season? It's it's. Uh, I have a couple friends who did, and I said that is ill-advised. Well, they could. I mean, it's as I said. You know, I wrote a column yesterday. The Bruins. You know, you think Tampa Bay, it was like what, three, four years ago when they were they were the Boston Bruins yeah. of that season. Nobody can beat them. They got swept by Columbus, of all teams, in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So it's, uh, again, for Canes, the, the, the draft lottery is going to be really interesting. And if the Canes do get Connor Bedard, oh, my God. I mean, fans went crazy when they got Slavkovsky. Yeah. 
Well, that's the Did thing. You, you, imagine? Can you imagine the can you imagine the night that they like the night of the draft lottery? I think it's sometime in May. You know, they win the draft lottery. I think St. Catherine Street. There's going to be a parade with uh, you know oh, fans holding <laughs> fans holding giant Connor Bedard heads go running there, down the there street. There might be. You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was some kind of a parade down St. Catherine Street with cars honking their horns. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Either. It, it, really it wouldn't would surprise me. You, know, you got Connor Bedard. You got Cole Caulfield. You got Nick Suzuki. You got uh, as I said, nothing can speed up nothing can speed up their rebuilding process right now quicker. Uh, than getting Connor Bedard, and uh, there's hope. I mean, there's a chance they get him. And and as I said, you know, the the team that finishes last has a seventy percent chance of not winning the draft lottery. And it's one of the best things the NHL did is create that draft lottery yeah. with the way yeah. formatted. After you know, remember when the Penguins got Mary Lemieux? I mean, that was the ultimate. You know, if you, there's been stories when that was the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate tank job. Like, you know, they had they had have a power. The Penguins would have a power play and put like. They're four, they're five worst players on the ice for the power play. And like, like pull the goalie, hoping the other team would score a shorthanded goal in the empty net. Like that was the ultimate, ultimate tank job. And yeah, Mario awesome. Lemieux, like, why not? But in today's NHL, like tanking, there's more negatives than positives to yeah, tanking yeah, yeah. because of the draft lottery and the way it's, the way it's structured. It, it's, it's, you know, we were talking before about all the, the dumb stuff that the NHL does. This is something they did that was really smart that to, to make it, there are teams that will still tank. But it doesn't guarantee you're going to get the number one pick. As I said, Colorado tanked yeah. and lost the lottery. It worked out off. in the end, though. And they got Kale McCarthy. <laughs> so they're pretty happy. And they won the Stanley Cup last year. And they might, they, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado wins the Cup again this year. Oh, man. When I saw them, I, I was at that game at the Bell Center. Oh, it's when, amazing. Uh, when, when, that position was just, hockey, it's incredible. They just come oh in waves. God. And the Canadians didn't know what to do. Like they were, <clears throat> as I mentioned, David Savard was pissed, but they, they, they're like, what the hell is this? It was like the Washington well, that's playing against the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, what is going on here? Like, that's big league hockey. And, yeah. the and you know, the game finished, I think it was 8-5. to five, It was a final score. The, five, only, four, yeah. the only reason why it was 8-5 to five was because Georgiev couldn't stop a beach ball that night. You know, that, yeah. the Canadians, I think they had 18 shots on goal. And he only stopped 13 of them or something like yeah. that. So that was... It just uh, you know, I, even as someone who's not who's not a fan because you cover the team, you you got to say though it's always fun to cover a, a, a winning team. So you know, well, it, I mean, people say you know, you're, I don't I don't cheer. The only teams I cheer for are Canada. Canada is playing yeah. in Olympics or soccer, whatever sport it is. But I'd be lying if I said covering the Canadians isn't more fun when they're winning than when they're losing. Got a better mood, but they've been a fun team to cover this year because they got. They got a bunch of good kids in the locker room. Like the locker rooms, yeah. you know, Perry Price and Shea Weber sucked up a lot of air in the locker room. They took up a lot of the oxygen as the two big veterans. They're gone, and now it's 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 a it's it's a, like I said, sort of a, a breath of fresh air through the locker room. These young kids, they they get along. They seem to be friends. They like playing with each other. You know, Josh Anderson was so happy he didn't get traded at the trade deadline. He wants to play in Montreal. Yeah. Joel Edmondson, the, the young guys, the old guys, they want to play in Montreal. You know, Cole Caulfield, <clears throat> Brendan Gallagher told me that he says, kid never has a bad day. Like, he lights up every room he walks into. It reminds me in a way of P.K. Subban, but Cole's more liked by all his teammates yeah. than P.K. was for whatever reasons that went back then. Um, so they're, they're a fun team to be around. It's been a fun team to cover. Uh, they compete. I mean, we watched – I remember when the, the last year with Ducharme, it would be like, I mean, how many games are left in this season? Oh, my God, 50. <laughs> we have to watch 50 more games this 
thank God I'm getting paid to watch this. But it hasn't been that this season at all. Well, it's, it's, it's funny fun to, to say that. It's funny you say that because, you know, like TSN, when you watch SportsCenter, they pop up the standings and you see how many games remaining because yeah. they're looking at the playoff race. And I always look down to the Canadians and I go, man, there's like only 10 games left. I can't believe yeah. it. This season yeah. flew by. It really did. And St. Louis talked about that uh, this week. He said, you know, even as the, the, the season, you know, the first starts maybe a little slow, 20, and then all of a sudden he said, but he said, since the All-Star break, he said, the season has just flown by. And it really has, from my perspective, too, covering the team. It's just, I can't believe there's 10 games left. It's it's hard to believe. But, and you know, it's funny. I was out walking my dog today, and it was so beautiful outside. And, you know, spring, I can smell spring oh, in the yeah. air. I was thinking to myself, you know what? Montreal needs the Canadians in the playoffs in the springtime. Yeah. It really does. The city, it's just, it's a whole new, it's a different vibe when the Canadians are in the playoffs. And, I was thinking that today, like, you know, walking to the Bell Center to cover a game, just wearing a you know sports coat instead of boots yeah. and a jacket and a hat and people outside the arena. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, a, well, it's good know, for the city. A... It's good for fans. It's good for the bars. It's good for the restaurants. It's good for the morale of the city. It's good for everything. And it's too bad. It's not going to happen again this season. And it probably won't happen again next season, but at least there's reason for hope now that future springs down the road, We'll have the Canadians in the playoffs, and that's the way it should be in Montreal. The Canadians in the playoffs should be an yeah. annual rite of spring, whether they win the Stanley Cup or not. It's just it's so much fun. It's such a fun vibe in the city. It's fun to be a Montrealer when the Canadians are in the playoffs. I always said it. My favorite thing to do, uh, my favorite uh, attire to go to a hockey game is a jersey and a pair of shorts. Yeah, you can do that in the winter. It's it's no. there's really nothing better than pulling up to the Bell Center in a pair of shorts. It's fantastic. That's why it must be it must be fun being a hockey fan in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that too. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that. I, I remember I went to uh, I was I was down in Florida during CJEP. You know how it is. Your son was just recently in CJEP. Yeah. You got you got like a six week break or something yeah. like that. So I decided to stay with my grandparents for you know about a month. And I dragged my grandfather down to a Florida Panthers game. This is when the Panthers were terrible. So we, I dragged, and I think, oddly enough, it was when the Colorado Avalanche were also terrible. We sat maybe six rows up from the glass uh, center ice. 20 bucks? $20, $26 a ticket. I'll never forget it. It was the best $26 we've ever spent. Uh, but it, it's funny because I pulled up in a pair of shorts because it was freaking hot outside. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to get – like I was begging my grandfather to buy me a blanket in the – Oh, yeah. So I, was free, yeah. I was freezing. But, well, yeah. especially those warm weather climates, they crank up the air conditioning yeah, they even got more because they got to keep the ice cold. That's that's. I've le I learned that. I learned my lesson about that. Especially you think, oh, it's Florida. I'll go to the rink in shorts. You're going to freeze your ass off when you're in there. Yeah, I, I did pretty good that day. But, yeah. uh, I mean, hey, for 26 bucks. But it's still fun going to a game with a sweater and shorts. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, anyways, Stu, the, well, the most important uh, game of the tank battle is uh, to this point is tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You'll be in the building. Enjoy the game and enjoy the rest or the beginning and the entire weekend. Whole way through. I will. You too and everybody out there watching. Have a great weekend. All right, that was Sue Cow, the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Uh, Tony Marinero's Tascam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. It looks like the dream is dying for Princeton. They are currently down seventy-one to sixty uh, in the second half. There's about seven minutes left, so uh, Creighton's going to beat their future bosses. It seems like. Uh, thanks for listening to me. I'll be back next week. Until then, Tony's back on. 
on Monday. We'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. 